and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the superheroic Matt. Hello there. Well, Matt, um, I'm going to... Coming in like a bundle of positivity this week after last week's uh, misery fest. Yeah. Uh, well, I, just to go back to last week. Yeah. David, okay. Yeah. We, we need to start with an apology. Do we? <laughs> this is becoming a theme. Yeah. Um, so I've literally just been listening to last week's episode. Yeah. And at one point. I said, congratulations, David, we're doing well. We haven't sworn all this week. Yeah. By that point, I'd counted three F-bombs from you. Yes, yeah. I, I mean, I, did, I don't know if you caught, but when you said that, I did sort of go, eh, and I was about to challenge you on it, but uh, uh, you yeah. breezed past it, so I just thought I'd, I'd yeah, leave, so, leave it. Yeah. So, should we just pause the recording for a second whilst you go wash out your potty mouth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, no apology for me ever for swearing, Matt. No. I, it's, it's, it's just a habitual part of who I am. Not saying I'm proud uh, of it, but, uh, you know, leper can't change its spots and all that. Yeah. So, how, how's your week been? Everything okay? Yeah, it's been an alright one. I've, uh, I've had a lovely day so far today, I will say. Um, even though um, it was... My partner and I, where, where we can at weekends, we tend to take it in terms of lie-ins. Um, and it was my partner's turn for a lie-in. So I was up from 6am until 9am this morning uh, on, on sole uh, absorbable off entertainment duties. Um, but yeah, that was super fun. And then we uh, headed out to, to the park, as is our want, on a Saturday morning. We went to a new park this week. Oh, um, where did you go? I'm going to shout out... Uh, Rainton Village uh, Park is one of the best kids play areas in probably in the entire county I'm going to say it oh, wow. is fantastic and uh, because it's in the middle of nowhere uh, we were practically the only people there um, but like they have they had like a little little wooden uh, you can't call it a tree house because there was no tree attached it was like a little watchtower that you could go up Okay. And just and view the the whole rest of the park and 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 the the rolling uh, fields beyond. Um, they've got a zip line there. Um, they had this this really gorgeous like <laughs> um, uh, thing where someone had uh, they'd made a sort of woven trellis kind of thing in, in as a sort of sort almost like in an igloo shape, um, and then there were like. Uh, creeping plants growing all over it so it was like it's like something out of uh um you know secret garden or whatever it was it was it was really gorgeous um so we had we had great fun sort of playing hide and seek and uh, just gen- generally frolicking this morning and on top of it all just the fact that we got to do it without a drop of rain despite what the forecast was saying yesterday so yeah the weather continues to be unpredictable, doesn't it? Yes, yeah. So, so as I say, I'm I'm just a bundle of positivity today. I've had a really lovely Saturday so far. Oh, excellent. How about you, Matt? How's uh, your by, con- by contrast, I played football for the first time last night in yeah. over eighteen months. Okay, and that that's proper football, not the American or the Australian version. Mm-hmm. And, hand egg, uh, as you're fond of calling it. Yeah, Australian hand egg or American hand egg, 
Uh, I played football. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm stiff as a board now, can barely walk. <laughs> <laughs> Struggled to sleep last night. Weirdly, mm. I've got really weird pains in the balls of my feet. Oof. Oh, that's not yeah. pleasant. So last night, um, because it was Friday night beers, I was upstairs in like our little attic room. Uh-huh. To get back downstairs to bed, I sat on my bum, slid down the stairs, <laughs> and then just kind of crawled across the landing into my bed because I, I physically could not walk. Oh, that's, yeah, that's rough. To be fair, I'm doing a lot of sliding down the stairs at the moment purely because um, little Absorbanoff, he wants to just walk down the stairs on on his own two legs, but he's not quite tall enough to reach the banister, so he's really unsteady. So I'm trying to encourage him to just slide down on his bum for now, but he'll only do it if I do it. So I so I have to follow behind him. <laughs> so that's been my major means of conveyance uh, down our stairs in uh, recent does, weeks. Does, does your partner ever tell people that she has two children? <laughs> you know, I had a great day playing hide and seek, and I got down the stairs on my bum. <laughs> <laughs> What's the point of having kids if you can't uh, relive your own childhood in the process? Okay. Okay. Um, so, one thing I wanted to talk about. Yep. Uh, I'm just going to tick the big swears off my docket list. Uh, that I watched literally as I was having a coffee before we started recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not sure if you've seen it, but I entirely recommend it. I just watched on YouTube a 20-minute video starring Alex Kingston. Yes. Obviously, known as River Song within this parish. She is indeed, um, yeah. Because I think she's releasing a new River Song novel. Oh, she is, yes. So as promotion for that, there's a video where Alex Kingston watches all of River Song's best moments from ah. Doctor Who and like offers almost like a director's commentary on some of them. Oh, I'm well and, up for that. And I, I know we haven't really addressed it, David, but there's mm-hmm. there's certain extent there's negativity associated with Doctor Who at the present. Mm, uh, yeah. I, we, we won't talk about it. It's not really our place. But if you need an uplift, just watch that. Yeah. Alex Kingston is an absolute goddess. Yeah. No, she's she's fantastic. And I am sort of intrigued by her novel. I mean, I'll be honest, the cynic in me thinks it's probably ghost-written. Um but uh, you know, I'm intrigued. It's it's nice how much she continues to embrace River Song as part of her, you know, career. You know, she's done she's done an absolute ton of stuff for for the old big finish. At this point, you did, know, she... did you did you know that in in the scene where she whispers the Doctor's name to David Tennant, and again when it's the river the mar- the wedding of River Song where she uh-huh. marries Matt Smith. Yeah. And she has to say the doctor's name. That her like initiation for all the new doctors was to whisper the word the name Shaniqua and pretend that was the doctor's name. Ooh. And she apparently got into a lot of trouble because she was just making the doctors laugh by saying silly names every time she had to whisper it. <laughs> Excellent. Um yeah, well that sounds really great. I'll I'll definitely give that a watch probably later today. Yeah. Lovely. Um, all righty then. 
Should we talk about food for a bit? Yeah, should we do meal of the week? Yeah, have you, I mean, well, before we get there, what do you have for breakfast? Was it a, you know, could you could you face food? Uh, well, my breakfast this morning was my meal of the week. So oh, I'm going right. to defer over to you. Okay, well, I, breakfast is an easy one for me. Shreddies, tick. Let's move on. Um, did you have yoghurt on your shreddies like uh, Jamie McCrimmon did? No, because because I continue to believe that that is borderline insane. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, each to their own. Um, no, just, just regular old semi-skimmed for me, thanks. Excellent. How about your meal of the week? Meal of the week... Uh, Again, is an easy one for me, because uh, last night um, I got to sit down inside with my mum, my grandma, and my brother, and we all had a lovely pizza and a good old oh, nice. chin wag and a catch up. And I oh, even made got or to... take away. Uh, neither, to be honest. It was uh, it was like Chicago reasonably... Town. No, no, it wasn't Chicago Town because it wasn't it wasn't my pick. It was my my mum's, but. Uh, she got a couple of pretty nice upmarket, like pizzas from the supermarket, so sort of like in between. But uh, to be honest, the food wasn't the thing that made last night's meal of the week. It was it was the company. It was being able to uh, hug my grandma after more than a year. Um, it was really nice. <laughs> oh, lovely. Say, yeah. Lovely. What about you? Let's, let's uh, hear about this epic bre- breakfast then. Uh, so last weekend it was my niece's birthday and I couldn't make it through. So I went through today, took her presents and we went out for something to eat. We went to York this week, not Yoke. Oh yeah. And, uh, we went to a little little cafe and I had chorizo and ham hash with two poached eggs. Oh, very nice. Yeah, real good. Yeah. I I think this might be controversial. When it comes to eating out, breakfast is my favourite meal for eating out. Oh, uh, yeah. Like a nice savoury brunch you cannot beat. Yeah. Just there's something about first thing in the morning, if, you, if you've got like travel plans or whatever it is, even if it's just uh, flipping Weatherspoons or something, just your first meal of the day... You're already out in different environments. Someone's cooked something for you that is, you know, probably a lot would have taken a lot more effort than you've got time or energy for first thing in the morning at home. Um, yeah, it's really special. Like, I, I would take a breakfast out over an evening meal in a restaurant any day. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, so then... Let's do Would I Lie to Who? Well, would you say your meal of the week beats your vegetarian oh. lasagna? Um, well, what what is our criteria for meal of the week? Is it just the overall experience or is it specifically yeah, the food? It's the subjective use of the word best. Yeah. Uh, and it can just mean anything. Well then, yeah, absolutely. Knocks any other meal I've had this uh, this year into a cocktail. It was okay. just a really lovely evening that I will never forget. So I have to ask your meal of the week. You were with your mum, your nana, and your brother. Yeah. What was it? Your meal of the week because your partner and child weren't there. Oh no, they were there as well. 
Okay, I okay. I just thought, you know, there seems to be like this undercurrent. <laughs> like last week that your wife left the home with the child and now you're <laughs> happy they're not around. No, no, know. no. no we're, um, they, they were there as well. I didn't specifically mention that, but uh, because, you know, they're always around. But, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was, you know, the, okay. the, all, all of us together for the first time in in, in months. Yeah. Just out of check. Yeah. Right. So, are we moving into would I lie to who? I think so. Yes. Yeah. I've got a, I've got some uh, statements lined up for you, Matt. And for uh, for the first time in a while, I know it's become almost tradition of this format for none of it to be uh, to be actually Doctor Who related, but I'm getting us back on track. Okay. Because as you know, a couple of weeks ago, Volume One of the Ninth Doctor Adventures came out from Big Finish, subtitled Ravagers. Mm-hmm. I have now finished listening to all of it. Um, I did a long rambly Twitter thread with my full thoughts, so dig, you can dig that out, listeners, if you're remotely curious about what I thought about it. Um, but today, Matt, I'm just going to tell you three things about The Ninth Doctor Adventures, Volume 1, Ravagers, mm-hmm. and only one of them is true. Okay. So... Statement the first. The titular Ravagers are revealed in the final part of the of the set to actually be the Slitheen. Okay. Um, statement number two. So in the final part, the the Doctor essentially bullies his uh, companion for the story by calling her a nerd. Or statement number three. In the final part of uh, Ravagers, it turns out, in essence, the entire story was taking place within the Doctor's mind. So it was basically all a dream. <laughs> right. Well, out of hand, I'm going to dismiss A. Okay. Because you don't think I... we're doing a Slitheen comeback? Can't even say it. No. I think if you're going to bring Eccleston back... The Slitheen are like a silly one-note villain, and it's not good enough. Pretty iconic for his era, though. Yeah, but that's only because they were the like new and they mm-hmm. were in it a lot. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make them good. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna dismiss that out. Okay. Of hand. Okay. Okay. The part B, he bullies his companion by saying they're a nerd. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't associate Eccleston's doctor with being like that negative. Although well, he he lit the lit the, the the sentence is literally ha 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 you're a nerd and he basically yells it at her. <laughs> right. Um, I don't. Know. It's because it's be- and if you want some context, the reason why is because she admits that she's a big fan of the show Professor X. Which, do you remember um, in Revelation of the Daleks, the McCoy story we watched? There was that little bit uh, of continuity. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, kind of referring back to that. Remind me what C was? C was that it basically turned out it was all in the Doctor's mind. Yeah, I'm going to go for that. Yeah, well, you think that essentially it's going to be one big cop-out. Yeah, it's going to be like, you know, that Dream Master guy. Ah, right, yeah. 
the yeah. uh, the Dream Lord. Yeah, I'm going to go for C. Uh, it is in fact B. Oh, it's it's it, it like sort of around the emotional climax when he's talking to his companion. He just goes, "Ha ha, you a nerd!" And it's like he's. Oops, not my phone there. Uh, it's like he's talking directly to the audience at that point. Yeah. Everyone who's who's uh, coughed up the money to actually listen to this, he's just like, I can't believe you're doing this. Good. I hope that's a. Re- I hope Doctor Who fans realise that he's talking to them. I think so. Uh, but to be fair, it is affectionate, and and like Eccleston delivers it brilliantly. Like I I really laughed out loud at that bit. What what did you make of his new companion? Um, she was all right. Um, unfortunately, it it seems like she's not continuing into the other sets that they're doing. Um, and I think that's a bit of a shame. I would kind of prefer it if he had one consistent companion across his big finish uh-huh. work, in the same way that they've done with some of the the classic. Uh, doctors. I mean, obviously McGann. They they had to because. They weren't able to use the characters in- introduced in the movie because it was a, a rights thing with Fox. Uh-huh. Um, but like, even, even uh, certainly the fifth and sixth Doctors have like original companions that they have significant runs with through their big finish ranges. Um, and I, I hope if Meckleston sticks around, I hope that they do that because realistically they're not going to get Billy Piper to do tons of them um I don't know if she will crop up in some of the later sets that they've got lined up but uh certainly so far she doesn't seem to be and um yeah so I think why not just make it a whole fresh era essentially for his doctor yeah when when is it set in his run? Before he meets Rose, or so it's it's pre Rose. It's pre Rose, right. okay. which gives them gives them more freedom, and it it feels it's almost like a soft reboot of the Ninth Doctor, right? Okay. Um, and I think partly because uh, from what I gleaned from interviews and stuff, Eccleston didn't want to just do the mopey Doctor thing. The whole time, yeah, he kind of wanted to have more range and stuff. So, do do yeah. they mention parts of the story that weren't established when Eccleston was around? So, like for example, when Eccleston was about, he would just go, "Oh, the Time War was bad," mm. but he never yeah. really talked about what the Time War was like or what it actually was. So, for in that the, this first set, Time War does not get, even get a mention, really. Right. There is one, I think, moment which you could interpret as a very oblique reference, but it it basically just isn't a factor. He's just, he's doctoring around, he's here to help. What I think is most interesting about it is the structure of it, because it's not like they just did standalone stories that you could have slotted into the RTD era. It feels very much like its own thing. It's, it's three 45-minute, 50 minute episodes telling one like continuous story but it's broken up in kind of a non-linear fashion so there's like four like flash forwards and flashbacks and the doctors moving around in time through the story so 
you're kind it's a bit of a jigsaw puzzle to be honest and uh i'm probably gonna have to give it another listen in a couple of months to see if i if it kind of slots together a bit more because on first listen there were points where i was like what 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 is what is happening right now Um, so yeah and does it actually reveal the identity of the ravagers Oh, it does, but they're they're new for this the, this story. Ah, right. They're they're an original creation. Okay. Um, let me just the. Is there anything else you want to talk about? I think that's pretty much it, Matt. I think we breezed so, through quite quickly this morning, but um, so for for the Doctor Who, the new ninth Doctor stories, would you rate them as Doctor Pooh or Doctor Woo Who? Oh, Doctor Woohoo, without a doubt. Like, I think I'm not going to unreservedly recommend it to absolutely everyone because, one, they are expensive. Um, and, you know, two, you've got to go in with, with an open mind. Like I say, in contrast to, say, what they did with Tenant's first set, where it was Tenth Doctor and Donna, and honestly, you could have just dropped those episodes into Series 4 at any point and it would have made perfect sense and felt really natural. This is its own thing. If you really love Eccleston and you're in it for Eccleston's performance, you get a lot of top tier. Like, he is obviously having so much fun. He's really, really put, you know, putting himself into this and having a good time. And that's very infectious. Um, So I loved it on that level. But it is different. It's not just, it's not trying to recreate series one era Doctor Who. Do you you think Eccleston's in it for the long haul? Well, they've announced a total of four sets. Um, So this is three episodes apiece, so 12. I think they've probably got them all in the can by this point. Probably not all done in terms of post-production, but at least the, the, the voice acting, I think, is probably all done and dusted at this point it's hard to say because i think the timing was key he he'd been doing the the convention circuit they they spoke they had a quiet word with him just after it it sounds like literally just after he'd had like his big main interview appearance um uh, at gallifrey one and he was coming off a bit of a high there they said hey come on let's sit down and let's figure something out and then you know less than 12 months after that uh the pandemic hits and he doesn't have any other work to be doing so it i think a lot of it comes down to how they're able to fit it around his schedule at the moment it why not do it you know in the same way that they've they've done loads of stuff with tenant during lockdown you know, there's an absolute wealth of stuff they've they've either released or are due to release with Tenant. Um, I hope I hope they can keep doing stuff on the regular, even if it's maybe three episodes a year. Uh-huh. I would I would love for for Eccleston to become just one of the sort of the, the general stable, and the absolute dream will be if they can do a multi doctor story which features uh, at the very least Eccleston and Tenant. In amongst some of the classic doctors, that'd be a lot of fun. Well, fingers crossed, eh? Yeah, yeah. We'll just have to wait and see. But 
yeah, for what for what it's worth, I don't. I, I'm happy with it. I'm 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 excited to give it another listen and see on a story level how that how that works out. But that you know, it was exciting. It made me laugh, and yeah, Eccleston's a joy to listen to throughout. I couldn't really have asked for more than that. I don't think. Excellent. Okay, doke. Sorry, right. I could I could have rambled about that forever. <laughs> right. Should we talk a little bit about the return of Doctor Mysterio? I think we probably should. Um, do you want to start with listener opinions before you give your own, Matt? Yeah, why not? Okay, let's do that. So I put out on Twitter. Uh, that I'll be watching, Return of Doctor Mysterio. Is it any good? Do you have any thoughts, any comments, any questions? And Sam from the Married to Who podcast. Do you want to say hello yeah. to those guys, David? Hello. Anything else? No, not at the moment. Have you listened to any of their shows this week? Uh, I haven't, purely because what I've been tending to do is just listening to their episodes after we record our own. And obviously for the last nearly month at this point, we've not been covering any of the episodes that they've covered. So, you know, because we've been, we've been having a bit of a detour between the two Christmas specials. So probably tomorrow I'm going to be listening to their take on uh, Return of Doctor Mysterio and I'm very much looking forward to it. Okay, well, their review of Return of Doctor Mysterio features my all-time favourite Married to Who moment. So really? you'll be able to look out for that. Yeah, I, I certainly shall. Sam a message saying she should be proud of herself. Okay, <laughs> so to answer the question, is the Return of Doctor Mysterio any good? Just one word. Sam just says no. Mm. Okay, and then the next message we got is from Clover. Do you want to say hello, David? Hello. Okay. Now, I've got some good news, David. Yes. You you might remember that Clover is our listener who's only 13 years old. Yes, potentially our youngest listener. I hope we okay. don't have anyone younger than that. <laughs> well, they got, they got to the episode where we said, you know, because we've got such a young listener, um, we, we'll cut down on the swearing. They sent us us a message this week to say it's okay because they know all the swear words. Do they? All of them. So can you edit in some sirens, David? Because we've got a badass over here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'd like to think they sent that message saying, I know all the swear words, whilst like spinning a fidget spinner on both hands. (laughs) You know, whilst dabbing. (laughs) Oh, that's certainly what the kids do, isn't it? They love they love their fidget spinners and their dabbing. Um, like, I mean, do, do, do they really to... know all of the swear words? Like even all those like that's what the message says, and I ridic- would never accuse our listeners of da- of lying. What about like those ridiculous ones from the sixteen hundreds, where it's all just like yeah. you know, ballyprumble. Yeah, and... poppycock, you knave. <laughs> yeah, well, they know all the swear words, so right. Well, I'll defer to them in future. <laughs> Thanks for listening, though. Really appreciate it. Um, okay, yeah. who, we, who else have we got? Uh, so they oh, actually what? said, it's unique, but it's just okay. Okay, yeah. Okay, and then they rode off on a skateboard like Bart Simpson. Because <laughs> young, young people are cool. They are, to be fair. I, w- I, I wonder if they... They're so cool, I wonder if they were in class. Mm, they may not have been. Yeah. 
Right. Whatever, Mum. Being a goth's not a phase. I'll be. I'll rock forever. <laughs> Whatever. Young people, do you, eh? Do you still get goths? I mean, you you come into more young, contact with more young people than I do. Uh, not so much, no. Yeah. But it's the wrong time of year. The cold weather kills them off like wasps. <laughs> what What's funnier, David, a young goth or an old goth? I think I think old goths are wonderful. I love seeing old goths because it's just like that's commitment, isn't it? You know, someone who's in their late forties and they're still doing the whole goth brigade thing like you know they found a niche it's worked for them and they're not going to stop for anyone even the ravages of time shall not <laughs> not deter them from their chosen path i think that's kind of admirable yeah i don't even know if that listener is a goth i just think young people are just hilarious <laughs> i think you'd have to in your line of work yeah okay so the next message we've got comes from BT slash slash Flibberty Gigget. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think this might be Flibberty Gigget the third, sorry, named after their grandfather. Oh, I see. So, <laughs> so he says, This is one I wish was better. That being said, I rewatched the last 10 minutes every so often because it's just so good and heartbreaking. I wish Moffat had killed it with the juvenile dick jokes, though. And I'm sorry there's a swear in that tweet. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Okay, we then have a message from Amy. Do you want to say hello to Amy, David? Hello, Amy. Okay, who says I liked it a lot. I thought it was very funny, and it hits you with the feels at the end. Yeah, so um, that's the first like unambiguously positive one we've got, isn't it? Yeah. Should we keep yeah. that mood going? Yeah. Why not? Okay, so we've got a message from Frank here that says, I can't believe I wasted precious Christmas time watching this episode. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Okay, we then had a message from someone called the 12th Doctor on Mm -hmm. Twitter. A lot of new names popping up at the moment. This is exciting. Yeah, I know. We're going straight to the moon. I can't wait (laughs) for this pod to be so successful I can quit my job. Mm Mm-hmm. Who says, a fun episode with lots of callbacks to the 1978 Superman. What's not to love? It has an emotional ending too. I personally find it very enjoyable. Cool. Uh, And then the last one I'm going to read out, okay, is from James Courtney, the one true James. Hello, James. Because last week we had a different James. But it's okay. I think James Courtney murdered them like Highlander to prove he's the only one. Okay. And he says, probably the weakest of Capaldi's Christmas episodes. Still, it manages to be an enjoyable romp and a love letter to Superman. It's probably worth noting that this would have come out in the same year as Batman vs. Superman and manages to tell the better Superman story. An alien with mysterious powers who is practically immortal and protects the Earth as their own. You do know that Superman is a bit like Doctor Who, isn't he? Yeah, he is. I, I've never considered that before, but wow. Yeah. I mean, I always thought the Doctor was like Robin Hood, but now I just don't know which way is up. Yeah. Well then, Matt. So that all being said, how are you ranking the return of Doctor Mysterio? Um, you know, it's one that divides opinion, as we've just seen. So I'm very curious to see what you made of it. I didn't really mind it. 
I wasn't massively like appalled and offended by it. So I might go good episodes, some bad bits. Yeah. I think. I, I love how as soon yeah. as I said that, you just went, <laughs> as if like, yeah. you know. No, sorry, it's just I was thinking no, ahead. No respect for my opinion at all. Just no, 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 I'm, I'm curious. I'm so, sorry, sorry, that came out badly. But, uh, um, yeah, um, you're, I think you're right is the thing. I think it is a good episode. It does definitely have some bad bits. But I don't know. I'm really forgiving of the flaws on this one. I think it's really charming and it's one of my favourite Christmas specials. And I think that probably puts me in a bit of a minority. But, yeah, I just... It, from the first time I watched it, I've just been really charmed by it. And it's one of the few Christmas specials that I will happily just throw on for a rewatch. Probably in part because it's so standalone and it's not really very Christmassy. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the fact... That it's a non-Christmassy Christmas special, you know, does it a bit of good? Yeah, definitely, definitely. It feels like a bit like a it's a bit of a palate cleanser kind of episode, really, isn't it? Mm. Um, and and yeah, and a bit of an odd one, bit bit kind of unique, you know, Doctor Who doing superheroes um, in the in the most old manish way imaginable. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll probably yeah. talk more about that in due course. But, uh, yeah, I just find it quite charming, to be honest. Um, it's 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 probably a bit slow in parts. There's probably some misjudged gags here and there. The villains are fairly forget, forgettable. But I don't care. I just don't care about any of those little niggles, really, with this one. I think it's greater than the sum of its parts, I think, is how I'd yeah. summarise it. Like I say, when when I finished it, I wasn't, like, forlorn and stressed and upset. No, no, it's it's just a breezy little watch, really, isn't it? Yeah. Okie doke, shall we, uh, shall we get, get stuck into it, then? We shall, right. So, this is from the 25th of December, 2016. Written by Stephen Moffat. Directed by our old friend, Ed Bazalgette. He's everywhere. He is, yeah. I I never really paid attention to him before, but he certainly, in the Capaldi era, he really gets around, doesn't he? Yeah. I I wonder if he was disappointed after his, like, stellar work on class. (laughs) <laughs> to, uh, he was not the weak link in that come on oh hello sorry my partner's just appeared like just apparated like a ghost that was quite surprising hello there can I help please could you fix the TV what's wrong with the TV you've just made it too complicated and I can't make it work anymore okay Um, I don't know if you caught that I'm going to have to go and fix the TV I'll be down in a okay. minute no problem I completely lost my train of thought. What were we saying? Don't, don't worry. Don't edit that bit out. That's like solid gold insight <laughs> into your everyday life. Uh, <laughs> I, 
uh, I think we talked about Ed Basil Get for a bit, and then we did really start the episode. Okay, so we begin with a comic book panel. It is New York. Yeah. And there's a young man sleeping, mm-hmm. and he dreams of when he was young. His name is Grant. Yes. And whilst he's a little child in bed, the doctor swings by his window mm-hmm. because the doctor was setting a trap and accidentally triggered it. Okay. Now, when the doctor says, oh, I'm just trying to sort some stuff out in New York, time's a bit funny here. Is he trying to get back to see Amy and Rory? I think one could infer that, certainly. Okay. So, the little boy goes to speak to his mum to see whether it's okay to let the doctor in. And when he returns, he says, Oh, I've been expecting you. And when the doctor tries to work out why, it's because it's Christmas Eve. And, you know, an old man calling by on Christmas Eve. Grant thinks the doctor is Santa. Yeah. Okay. So whilst they have a little chat, the doctor reads Grant's Superman comic and works out that Superman is Clark Kent. Come on, that bit is brilliant, right? Yeah. I love that. Got a chuckle from me. Especially the detail where he's like, look, I drew specs on Superman. Okay. Uh, So, uh, Grant tells the Doctor all about superheroes, and Grant says, oh, I'm always ill at Christmas. Mm. And this is where I thought, oh, God, it's going to be one of those stories where the Doctor helps out like a frail, injured kid. But we kind of get the resolution of that illness quite quickly. We do, we do. Okay. So, Grant calls the Doctor, Doctor Mysterio. He says, if you were a superhero, that would be your name. Yeah. Oh, we should probably... Are you aware of the bit of trivia behind the episode title and and why they went with Doctor Mysterio? Only because I listened to Married to Who, where they talked about it. Yeah. So, for for the one listener out there who maybe hasn't already heard this story... Basically, there was a bit of a promotional world tour around for Series 9, which in itself was a bit odd. So they just they just basically just chucked Peter Capaldi and Jenna Coleman in a plane and sort of flew them all over America and stuff. Um, and when they're in Mexico, uh, Capaldi discovered that the uh, Mexican title for Doctor Who is Doctor Mysterio and was just immediately enthralled by that. So that kind of planted the seed for this story. So there you go. Do you think that it would be better if it was called Doctor Mysterio? We've always talked about how they could increase the viewer base. What if they just rebranded Doctor Mysterio? Nah, I like Doctor Who as a title. What if it was you called know. Doctor Who question mark Doctor Mysterio exclamation <laughs> mark? So, so it was like Doctor Who Doctor Mysterio. Yeah, no, it's it's. I I like it as a one-off. Doctor Mysterio is good, and 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 I love Capaldi's reaction. How he's like, "Ooh, Doctor Mysterio, yeah, I'm having that." <laughs> okay, so yeah, the Doctor says again he's here to solve the New York time disruption, mm-hmm. and the Doctor passes Grant a gemstone, okay, to hold, and he says, you know, it knows what you want and it makes it happen, but Grant. Mm-hmm. Thought it was medicine because obviously he said I'm the doctor. When Grant said he get he'd, he'd given yeah he'd given him a glass of water, um, you know. Yeah. 
yeah, it's it's uh, it's cleverly put together that scene. I feel like because you don't think about it until suddenly he's done it, and then it's like, oh yeah, of course, of course he'd have put two and two together there. Um, so yeah, and that that gives us our setup for Grant becoming essentially our Clark Kent stand-in. Yeah, so Grant can now fly like Superman. And when we flick to old Grant, he's uh, he's a baby crying because he's a nanny in later yep. life. Okay. And then we get the title sequence. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a, a really solid setup, I think, and a really, really fun opening scene. I, I just... This is what I mean. I feel like this episode... It's so charming and whimsical, and you're really getting to see now Capaldi leaning into that that twinklier side of the Doctor that he was wasn't really allowed to explore in his earlier episodes. Sorry, I haven't written down the name of the guy that plays Grant, yeah. but he is the main star in one of the worst films I've ever seen. Oh, is he? Yeah. yeah what film is that? Uh, so he plays the main character, Goku, in Dragon Ball Evolution. Oh, I didn't know they did to... live-action Dragon Ball. Yeah, well, they did one, and it was terrible, and it sort of canned the whole series. Yeah. So, yeah. Well... So this is the best I've seen him in, because that film yeah. is The Stinkers. To be fair... When whether films are good or bad, it's rarely the actors who are to blame. You know, actors. You know, they can they can actors can turn weak material into stronger material, but you can't. They can't make a disaster of a script into solid gold. You know, no. You know, no actor has that power. So. I'm I'm loath to blame actors over yeah writers directors producers the ones who are really calling the shots in terms of what ends up on the screen. But anyway, yeah, it's nice to see. It must be nice for you to see that that he's actually doing something decent here, and I do think he's one of the best things about this episode. Yeah, I think he plays both parts well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so another actor we need to talk about is the character of Brock. And again, I haven't written the actor's name down, but the actor that plays Brock, and this will mean more to a lot of people than it will to you, David, played the role of Alex Hunter. Now, Alex Hunter, David, is a video game character. Right. Okay. From the FIFA series of football computer games. Okay. Right. Bless you. So you. you play as Alex Hunter, who's a made-up footballer, and guide him through his career. But he's based on this actor, the same guy that plays Brock. No, oh, I I didn't know that was how FIFA worked. I thought it was a uh, you just you picked a team and you you kick you played, and it was just you simulated a game of football. It, it is for the most part, but in recent mm. years they've added this new mode called the journey. Which is basically like football, but it's a bit like an RPG. Yeah, I was going to say, that's what it sounds like, like a football RPG. That's uh, 
Yeah, so That's, if you like play the yeah, game and do it. loads of passes, your passing stat increases. But if mm. you try and shoot at goal, then your shooting increases. Oh, I see. Yeah. So FIFA's the game of real football. It's not like Madden, which is for hand egg. Mm. I, don't, I don't even know if there is an Aussie rules computer game. Hopefully they're, they're our best listener, be. Marty McLean, can fill us in. I'm sure. I'm sure he can. When I, was, when I was in Australia, I went to watch an Aussie rules football game, and it is mental. It does seem terribly violent. Uh, well, it wasn't just that, but like their attitude to like sporting events is so different to ours. Ours is yeah. just basically get as drunk as you can, watch the sport, go home depressed. Like, <laughs> for them, it it's like a full blown family event. You could use like a Deliveroo thing where you could order a pizza and it gets delivered to your seat in the stadium. That still wow. blows my mind to this day. And yeah. in Australia, every every team has their own song, but it's like a traditional old brass band song. Uh, so. I would recommend, if you look up the song for Richmond Tigers, we're from Tigerland, 10 out of 10. But anyway, we've gone, we've gone down a rabbit hole there, haven't we? We have, we have. Um, okay. So, yeah. So, Grant So, Brock, worked... Brock is, to, to be clear, Brock, is that the uh, the original sort of head of the Harmony Shoal company? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Harmony Shoal will open your mind. Whoa. So, did you twig? Did you twig that this was your, I, your head splitty guys? I did. From last I don't episode? know if I would if I watched them a year apart, like on broadcast. Well, that's what I was going to say. I didn't at all because I hadn't rewatched Husbands of River Song prior to watching this on broadcast. So it was a whole year in between. And to be honest, a year in which I hadn't wasn't thinking about Doctor Who that much. I can't remember exactly what I had on, but it was a period in my life where, you know. Well, Doctor I, Who just, just kind wasn't of, on, so you maybe just... Doctor Who wasn't, wasn't on. I, I wasn't watching a lot of classic stuff that year. I hadn't got into Big Finish at that point, so I was just, yeah. It, I, I just, I think I was more into... I was probably quite obsessed with Game of Thrones at that point. I think yeah. that was probably... That and, and the MCU was probably dominating my brain space a lot more than Doctor Who. Okay, so uh, Brock is being interviewed by the press... And Nardole is there too. Yeah, how did you feel about Nardole coming back? I mean, you probably saw Matt Lucas's name in massive letters in the opening se- sequence, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I need to give him a bit more time if he's going to be the companion because I've got a nasty habit of saying I don't like the companions and then when they leave I get really sad. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment until we've seen the end of Nardole, I think. Yeah, no spoilers, but... I. But I do think you will warm to Nardole. He 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 does stick around for a few more episodes, so uh, you'll have opportunity. I do think he is a lot better used. Matt, Matt Lucas as a performer is a lot, gets a lot more to do in this than he did in Husbands of River Song. Like he actually gets to have some emotional range, which is nice. Right. So Brock arranges to meet a scientist at midnight and. I get they say midnight just so, you know, everyone goes, ooh, this is spooky. But why not just meet at half nine? Midnight's too late. <laughs> it is quite late, isn't Even it? Even if I was, yeah. like, a horrible, nefarious scientist, I wouldn't be meeting people at midnight. 
yeah, ten p.m. Then you can then you can be home and in bed before uh, before midnight. That's the way to do it. Right. So they have loads of brains in jars, and uh-huh. one of the journalists that we saw earlier is now investigating. Okay. Yeah. The scientist that meets Brock has weird eyes, and Brock acknowledges that the number of brains is increasing. Okay, originally they had one brain, now they've got several. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that the doctor is also investigating. He just turns up next to the journalist, who we later learn is called Lucy, and yeah. he's just eating a little bit of sushi, just asks her what's going on. You know, <laughs> I get the feeling he's investigating this, but he doesn't see it as a massive threat. Not at this stage, and also the doctor... Unlike Lucy, the Doctor is not afraid of getting caught. Because yeah. in his experience, getting caught is often quite a good way to f- find out what's going on. And he's a bit of a pro at getting uncaught as well. So, yeah, I, I like the whole moment where he's just like, yeah, I'm investigating as well. I brought snacks. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, Capaldi is just a lot of fun in this story, isn't he? He's yeah, just, uh, he's having a great time. So, the scientist has a mental mad nosebleed, and it turns out some of the brains have eyes, just like the scientist, because he's got creepy eyes. Because this scientist is not Dr. Sim. No. And then he says, I've had a change of mind. Nobody ever says that. Everyone just says, I've changed my mind. I don't know why they made it like a weird variation on that. Yeah, and so that's the second. I think it crops up one more time in this episode. Like, Moffat really belabors that pun Yeah. in this story. So they plan to brain-swap Brock to put one of these nasty alien brains in his head. Yeah. And that way, whatever race these horrible brains are, they can take over this corporation. Okay. Yes. So the Doctor... Lucy and Nardol meet up and they're trying to work out why the Harmony Shoal are in so many capital cities. Okay. And Nardol points out that New York City is not a capital city. So there's something untoward going on here. And as they're talking, there's a knocking sound. And because they're on the 100th floor, 100th floor, sorry, they look to the window and it's a superhero. It's the ghost. I mean, well, yeah. It's not the best name Who saw for that a superhero, coming? is it? Uh, it's no worse than the Phantom. It's essentially the same thing. How dare you? The Phantom is Australia's premier superhero, David. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying name-wise, it's not that different, is it? Uh, what? Which superhero do you think has the worst name? Oh, worst ever. Oh, that's... Uh... I don't know, because the ones that are like... You've got the ones that are like intentionally silly and, and fun. Um, like that scene like, in... Like, where it's like, hi, I'm Doctor Strange. And then Spider-Man goes, oh, I didn't know we were using our superhero names. I, I'm, I'm uh, Peter Parker. I'm Spider-Man, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. I think so. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. But yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of stuff like like Stiltman and stuff like that. You know, what about you've Bat got intentionally? Rid- I always thought Batfink was crap. Yeah, isn't that more of like a parody kind of? Yeah. I don't really. 
I don't really know much about Batfink. I'm just vaguely aware of its existence. There's, in the X-Men comics, there's uh, a mutant who's super, super strong. And he was yeah. introduced as one of the first homosexual like superheroes back in the 60s or 70s. And his, uh-huh. his superhero name, just Bloke. <laughs> You're kidding. No, just Bloke. Bloke. Yeah, that's pretty poor. That's pretty cool. I think you probably X Men's a good bet to find the worst ever superhero, just because they really like they they crank them out those mutants, don't they? Yeah. So there's an element of barrel scraping at a certain point yeah. with X Men. Yeah. Let's let's stick with Bloke as the worst one. Uh, if any if anyone can top that, do write in and let us know. Yeah. I'd love to know if there is a worse superhero name than Bloke. Okay. So the ghost fights Dr. Sim for a bit. It takes a couple of bullets to the chest and then reintroduces himself to the doctor. Okay. So we get a flashback now of young Grant, who is obviously the ghost, talking to the doctor. Yeah. And the doctor makes him promise never to use his powers. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the ghost is talking to Lucy, but he leaves when signalled. Okay, because his signal is a baby monitor, because obviously he's a nanny. So when he gets back to the home where he should have been looking after a child, but he left them unattended, okay, Uh the doctor is there to meet him. Yeah, so the doctor does admonish him for leaving the baby unattended, and he has the excuse of, oh, I'm a superhero, I can, you know, I can be there in seconds, and all the rest of it, but... Even so, I'm a little bit like, jeez, oh, man, though, you've got one job. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah, it, uh, yeah, it doesn't quite sit well with me, that. But you just, it's one of those things where you just got to be like, suspend your disbelief. It's a story. Yeah. <laughs> and a silly one at that. But, uh, yeah. Okay. So then the child's mother comes home. It's Mrs. Lumbar. And it's Lucy. Hey. I, so I actually didn't really see that coming, but... Did you not? No, yeah. it's like a little bit of fun when that happened. So it turns yeah, out yeah. that Mrs. Lumbar is her married name because she introduces herself earlier with a different surname, but I can't remember what it is. Okay. And we find out that her husband ran off when the baby was born. Okay. So we then flash back to... A slightly older, young Grant, meeting with the Doctor. The Doctor says the gemstone has bonded with his DNA. Okay. And Grant is struggling at this teenage years because he now has X-ray vision. So he sees everyone in his school absolutely naked. Mm -hmm. And he can't look at Lucy because he's loved her for years. Yeah. Oh, how sweet. Okay. With then, I do. I do slightly like the gag of where where the doctor's like, "Lucy's your favourite, isn't she?" And he's like, "How can you tell?" And he's literally just levitating. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's 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 a like nicely revealed. I think it's all in the editing that gag, but uh, yeah. it's nicely done. Uh, Lucy then interrogates the doctor with Mister Huffle, and it makes the world's most annoying noise. It really. <laughs> How- I love the Mr. Huffle scene. Well, I watched it with headphones, so I hate the Mr. Huffle scene. 
<laughs> yeah, no, it's because it, the thing is, out of everything in this episode, it is completely left field, isn't it? It's like I, I feel like Moffat must have just encountered one of those toys at some point, just be like, "That's ridiculous." I'm putting that in a story. Yeah. Um, but it's it's good. It's like because the thing is, as an interrogation technique, it wouldn't really work on anyone other than the Doctor. Yeah. Because the Doctor is just innately such an empathetic... Even this version of the Doctor is such an empathetic uh, person that even knowing it's a toy, just this, this horrible screeching noise is enough to just make him be like, oh, fine. Um, but even then, like he, it's, it's not like he completely gives you. He kind of gives very like it's politician answers isn't it he's not outright lying with anything he says but he's uh he's not giving up the whole truth he's definitely in charge of the situation isn't he Mm. so he tells her the shoal are preparing for colonization and he won't tell her who the ghost is okay so she asks can i meet the ghost so, whilst this conversation's going on, Grant phones her from another room, pretending to be the ghost, and agrees to meet Lucy. The yes. problem being that Lucy then needs Grant to babysit. Yeah, oh, it's quite a sticky situation, isn't it? Yeah, what a dilemma. Okay. Yeah. And I, I, I do like how they both sort of end up being accidentally jealous of themselves. Yeah. Um, it's it's nicely done. Uh, say what you like about Moffat as a writer. I think he does uh, the complexities around love and relationships really well in that humans are very good at tying themselves in knots over their feelings towards one another. Yeah, definitely. I think that that's a bit of a trope of his, but... It's something that he does very well and and, and to great effect in this story. Okay, so we find out that Grant has loved Lucy for 24 years. Yeah. Okay, so the Doctor kind of goes, oh, why did it have to be 24 years? Because obviously that's how long he spent with River. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, a bit of an unnecessary callback, that one, I think. Especially as we get a very nice one later. but uh, I don't know, I think yeah. it helps explain like why he's so keen to help Grant. Because obviously he's now learnt the yeah. importance of love. I think so. I do think it's, it's worth thinking. It's worth certainly remembering that this Doctor we're seeing now is a Doctor who has essentially lived... lived I, I, I mean, we can only speculate on exactly what that night on Derillium was like for him and River. I'm sure it wasn't entirely devoid of incident, but um, essentially, yeah, he just kind of settled down and had this married life for what would be, you know, a a good innings for a lot of people in terms of a marriage. Um, And now... And now he's kind of a bit at a loss. And I think if you if you take a step back and think, if you assume that he was trying to get back to Amy and Rory, it makes perfect sense that that's the point at which he's doing it. You know, he'd had this whole flurry of madness with Clara 
and you know everything that had happened there he'd found peace with river and now all of a sudden he's a bit bereft again mm. and so he's he's he is probably thinking back to some of his other forgotten friends um so well, yeah. i think that comes back at the end as well there's a couple of bits we can talk about at the time yeah definitely definitely okay so brock is a brain shoal thing now and yeah they want the ghost's body because it's the strongest body on earth okay so the doctor sure. interrupts them and we find out they can open their heads just like scar could yeah so the doctor gives them an ultimatum and says leave now or die and as they prepare to attack, the Doctor whistles and the TARDIS appears because Nardole can fly it now. Yes, yeah. Oh. Um, no, not perfectly. No. As as he says, yes. Where, where uh, you may, Did you jot down the specifics of where he got his outfit from? Uh, I, I do remember. It's it, like 12th century... I don't know, not Cambodia, but something like that, isn't it? He's, he's obviously had a little stop off, okay. you know. In fact... The, Big finish, there's, there's your opening there's if you want to do in. a solo yeah. Nardole set. So this is the bit <laughs> I was going to talk about, sorry, when we said that it makes sense yeah. he'd be going back for Amy and Rory, because yes. uh, Nardole says that the Doctor saved him because he was lonely. Okay. Yeah. So that again ties into what you've just said that we've got this big emotional doctor and he just wants his friends back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So as Lucy is leaving for the picnic, Grant says, Oh, you should wear that red dress. You always look nice in that. And she like says, Oh, no, no, it's just a date. But then when Grant flies up to the roof and becomes the ghost, by the time Lucy meets him, she's got her lovely red dress on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, the Doctor is mad because he says Grant promised him he wouldn't use his power. And then Nardol says, well, you know, what about the Time Lord promise not to interfere? How many times have you broken of that? I thought that was quite a good little thing. Yep. Okay. Uh, the Harmony Shoal are transmitting something into space now, as well as watching the ghost. And the Doctor finds that it is a shoal ship in low orbit. So him and Nardole go board it. Yeah. Okay. And the Harmony Shoal arrive and interrupt the picnic between the Ghost and Lucy. So... Yeah, so they, they basically hold Lucy hostage to try and get to the Ghost. Yeah. But as part of that, she confesses her love to the Ghost for Grant... Okay, she's upset that Grant's on a date. Yeah, we're, we're kind of glossing over, because it's it's really all in the dialogue, and we don't just want to read out whole sections of the dialogue, but I think it's a really well-written scene where it starts out, there's an element of flirtation between Lucy and the ghost, but in the process, she becomes frustrated with the ghost, and, and the ghost, being, of course, Grant... Source or is also kind of getting frustrated with her for flirting with him as the ghost, even though it's still him. And you know what I mean? It's like it's it really teases out this whole sort of tangled mess they're in. 
Um, and it's kind of interesting how, you know, within the, in the space of that one co- conversation, she goes from being a little bit swoony over the ghost to kind of really twigging how deep her feelings are for Grant. So really well written little scene. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think I think it's acted well as well. I think absolutely both yeah. of them play their part to the letter and it works brilliantly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They they really just this this episode does a really good job of evoking what worked about, especially that that sort of seventies Superman movie. Like it's it is very specifically doing that, um, and doing it really well. Um, and it, it's interesting. Like I say, it's very it's a very old white man of Stephen Moffat to be like, hey, superheroes are back. The kids love their superheroes now. What do we do? Let's do the 1978 Superman. Yeah. <laughs> like, because it, it couldn't be less current superhero, like, tropes if it tried, could it? It, it no. doesn't fit with with what, what superheroes look like in the modern pop culture tapestry. Mm. Um... But that, I think, is part of the charm of this. And I think if it had tried to do a, a trendier, more more MCU-esque take on superheroes, it probably wouldn't have felt right within the world of Doctor Who. Right. So, yeah. We then... The Doctor works out what's going on. He says that the Shoal are going to crash their own ships into cities and... Because the shoal buildings can survive nuclear bombs, people will have to pay to hide in their buildings. Okay? And potentially when they do enter the buildings, they themselves will get shoaled and become part of the Harmony Shoal. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's, uh, it's, your classic, it's your classic takeover all of the world leaders kind of uh, uh, invasion plan. So, um, so whilst Lucy's been held at gunpoint, the ghost flies away, obviously knowing that she's in love with Grant rather than the ghost. So as he flies away, Grant just stumbles through the door because he's obviously just flown downstairs. Okay. And Brock then holds him at gunpoint as well because he doesn't want to show that he is the ghost and expose that to Lucy. Okay, so the Doctor begins pressing random buttons and switches to make the ship fall to Earth. He uses the sonic screwdriver to talk to Grant. Okay, and the ship is plummeting towards New York City. And I did actually quite like this bit, where once it does hit, the shot is of Grant sort of with his eyes closed, braced for impact. But with one hand, he's caught the ship and he's holding it aloft above his head. Yeah. And this is the moment where Lucy realises that Grant is the ghost. Yeah. So that, yeah, that shot, that moment, you can't get more classic superhero than that, can you? No. I mean, I think it's in Superman Returns. There is literally a whole scene where he catches a jumbo jet and puts it down in a baseball stadium. Exactly. And... uh, I don't want to. I don't want to derail this podcast and rag on, uh, on the the current state of DC films too much or anything like that. But oh man, I I hope we get one day a modern superhero, a modern Superman film that can evoke some of that feel. Mm. 
because Man of Steel did not work for me at all. And I don't think Cavill is is miscast as Superman, but I don't think he has ever had an opportunity opportunity to actually play some a character I would recognise as Superman. No, I I think you you need a Superman that I, I think some of the best soundtrack music is that Superman theme. That that oh yeah yeah that makes you feel Superman. Yeah. And modern films just haven't hit that. Yeah, there is just there is a, there is a dourness and a cynicism to the way Superman has been presented on screen in 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 recent years that I feel is just antithetical to 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 what Superman should be at its core. So I, you know, I have hope that one day someone might do a take on it that that will kind of reverse that trend. Um, and even if that is with Henry Cavill, as I say, I think he could do it. He's just not been given a chance to do that. So just watch uh, the old Justice League cartoon or Justice League Unlimited. Yeah, they're great. I've I've been I've I've heard good things. It's kind of been vaguely on my to do list for a long time. Oh God, I say that every week, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I, I, it. But it's a shame. It's a shame that we do have to go to like cartoons and stuff. Why? Why can't? Why can't? Why do? Why do movie producers think so little of modern audiences that they think they won't get on board with something as as sweet and old school as, as you know, old fashioned Superman? Because mm. I think I think people would get on board for it if you did a, if you did it well. Right, shall we wrap anyway, this up? Let's do it. Yeah. So Lucy says that she loves Grant, not the ghost, and they have a little smooch. Mm-hmm. Uh, unit arrive. In to... particular, in particular, I love she. The, I think my, perhaps my favourite line of the whole thing, and it's and it's the cheesiest line, but that's good because th- that's what you want from an episode like this. That's what we're doing this week. So let's go go the distance with that. When she says to, to, to Grant, I think I prefer you with your superhero cops costume, and she just pops his glasses on. Yeah. It's yeah. so cheesy, but so sweet. Yeah. Yeah, there's a bit of a warmth to this story, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. 100%. So anyway, yeah, unit arrive, which is nice. Yeah. Nice to get a little... They're going to shut down the thing. Harmony Show, except the scientist's brain takes over a unit man. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, then we find out that the Doctor's still really sad about River, which kind of makes yeah. sense. Nadal talks about it for a bit. But then, yeah, I, I don't know what it is, because it gets used in so many different ways. But just the, the vision of Capaldi stood at the TARDIS terminal, everything firing up around him, that just sort of makes you think everything's going to be okay. Yeah, like when I, I know exactly th- what you I mean. When I think of Capaldi's Doctor, I think of him stood, like, both hands on the terminal, and mm. that sort of, like, mad scientist look on his face, and everything yeah. firing up around him, and, you know, yeah. it's like, right, adventure time. I think what's really interesting is if you study the way Capaldi uses the TARDIS set... It's so different from his immediate predecessors. Tennant and Smith 
both just flail around like kids in a soft play area. Mm. Um, but there is a, a control and a precision to the way he moves around that console and flicks certain switches and things like that. You never really get the sense that he is not in control of the TARDIS. Um, and I think that's really interesting and kind of unique to his doctor in some way, certainly in the modern era. Um, but yeah, I, I think we shouldn't gloss over the line as well. This is, this is one of those lines that just gets pulled out of context by fans and used in, in because it's just a nice little bit of wisdom from the doctor um, where he just says to, to Lucy and Grant, Everything ends, and that's sad. And everything begin, but everything begins again. And that's always happy. Be happy. Mm. It's it's simple. It's beautiful, and it's entirely true. Um, and I think it gives us a great glimpse into where this Doctor is in at this point in time. You know, he's. If you think back to where he was early series eight and where he is now, yeah. you know, what a journey. He's he's had a lot of time to think, to examine himself and come to some conclusions. And uh, it's nice to see. Yeah. Yeah. Now, be- before we wrap up, David... Yes. There was something I should have mentioned earlier, but I forgot in my running order. So we'll do it at the end. We'll end with this. Okay, why not? Why not do that? So, uh, earlier in the week, I always like looking on our little heat map to see where our listeners are from. It's just like a little interest. And I always put a little tweet out if I think there's a funny one. So I put a tweet out to say that um, we we had a listener from Ho Chi Minh City in China. Why? Wow, okay. and I got I got a response from a listener I mentioned last week, uh, Marie Boudreau. Okay, yes, who said, "Oh, well, I, I wonder if you can see me on the heat map. I'm I'm from I think she lives in Shreveport, Louisiana, in America." And wow. then when we looked, there seemed to be more downloads from that town than just her. So she wow, okay. So we were like, "Well, is there like?" A couple of listeners she's unaware of in her town. Okay. Yeah. So what I've agreed is if you live there and you're listening, okay, you have to get in touch and I've arranged that I will send the money and I will pay for you all to go for a coffee together. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. Yeah. So we're doing like a little, almost like a little blind date. Okay. Because it seems to be there's people out there. And Marie was really keen and said, well, yeah, I'd be really interested to meet them. So if that's you, get in touch. Okay? Yes, please do. Yeah. That, w- that would be amazing. Yeah. If we can make that happen. Okay. So I forgot to mention that oh, earlier. I-, I got too into laughing at teenagers, but never mind. <laughs> no worries. All right. Well, um, that, that being done then, I think that about... Uh, yeah, that about does it for uh, the return of Doctor Mysterio. So join us next week uh, when Matt and I will be discussing the pilot. The pilot. The pilot. The pilot of Doctor Who. Okay. 
It's obviously not the pilot. It's going to be about not the pilot. pilot. Not the not the unbroadcast uh, original <laughs> pilot from 1963. Though I would love to cover that with you one day because I've never watched it. Stick it on the running um, order. We'll watch it at the end of this series. <laughs> but I have um, also found when yeah. we start doing the wheelie big quiz for charity again. If we beat last year's total, I'll watch all of class. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, would, would he even podcast about them? We could do little bonus episodes or something. I'll do a week-by-week week review. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, yeah. Yeah, uh, we'll see how we get on, eh? Sometimes um, my math but... gets me into a lot of trouble with things like that. <laughs> yes, indeed. You're looking forward to Weedy Big Quiz this year? Always, always. Yeah. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. Um, but until then, listeners... As always, thank you ever so much for listening, and cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com, and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.